Take your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to go to two places. We're going to go to Romans 8, because that's the verse we're going to read. And then we're going to go to Ruth this morning. I get to preach on the first female of these heroes. Yes, of these heroes of faith of the Old Testament. And it's such a beautiful picture. Many of you know the story of Ruth. And it's one of those things where you know, I've, I've studied it, I've read it, but every time I see it, there's something like new there. Like you just see such the sovereignty of God over the entire situation. And it's such an encouragement to me, and I pray it's an encouragement to you, that sometimes in the individual moments of life, they're hard and they don't make sense. And in those moments, right, there's a struggle, right? That's the crisis of faith right there, that I can't see what's on the other side, but I believe God and who He is, and I believe that He will do what He says He will do. But His timing can be difficult. Can I get an amen? And so it's in those moments that can faith be displayed. And again, you just see such a beautiful picture. And I challenge you as we go through and study these characters, like we know the story. And so it's kind of easy to just jump to the end of the story, but put yourself in their shoes. These were real men and women. And there's customs here that we kind of have to put our minds in and, and see what's happening. But through the whole thing, you see the hand of God, that you're not here by coincidence. I don't care how you got here and you may came here reluctantly just so your wife didn't get mad, right? But you're here and God is gonna do something. I believe that. I believe that there's nothing that's random or a coincidence. God uses all things. Sometimes that's hard in the moment. And I want us to put ourselves in the story this morning. Take your Bibles and stand with me. Let's go to Romans 8. Our two verses, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance, the certainty, the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we know in verse six, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we understand that we enter into this relationship by faith. We walk in this relationship by faith. We're not practicing a religion. We are walking by faith in the promises of who He is and what He, will, what he says He will do. Romans 8, 28, let's go there first. And then we're gonna go to the book of Ruth. Many of you know this passage. It's a passage I know the Lord has really used in my life, especially in this season. It says this in verse 28. And we know that some things, uh-uh, uh-uh, let's read it. And we know that, say it with me. So what you walked in here with this morning, whatever baggage, whatever struggle, whatever pain, whatever wound, hear this, not random, not a coincidence, not some things. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called, and don't miss this, according to His purpose. There's a purpose in what you're going through. It's not random and it's not outside of the work of God. The individual ingredients may not be good, they may not feel good, but the promise is this, they're for the good of the purpose that God has for our lives. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning we thank you for your word, we thank you for truth, we thank you, Lord, that we can lift our eyes from whatever struggles and pains and wounds that we walked in here, with our doubts and our fears, Lord, lift our eyes to you, to see a father who loves us so much that he gave us his son. And so, Lord, our feet on the ground, but our minds in heaven, our eyes lifted to you, Lord, we pray that as we open your word this morning that your Holy Spirit, we give you access, we give you freedom to search our hearts and our lives, the cracks in the corners, Lord, bring us to this place of trusting you when we can't see May we be found faithful in those moments, not running backwards, but running to you. Thank you for Jesus, a Savior who died for us and rose again. 
And because of that hope, Lord, we give you praise. And it's in his name we pray and all God's people said. Amen. You may be seated. The story of Ruth. It is such a beautiful love story, right? I mean, sometimes you just look at it and you kind of just see the man and the woman and we're going to get in that. But sometimes you miss what God is doing through the whole thing that he was inviting these individuals to be a part of his story, just as he does with us. That God's writing a story of redemption. He is building his kingdom and how crazy that he would invite us in our baggage, in our sins, forgiveness, redeemed, but now being used for his purpose. Ruth had no idea what the end of the story looked like. And I want you to see not only Ruth this morning, but Rahab. If you remember when we began this story, it was this series, Rahab was the prostitute in Jericho, if you remember, right? And she hid the two spies and, and they said, okay, bring your family in and they will be protected. Well, Rahab is the mother of who? Boaz. Boaz is the central character with Ruth and Naomi in this story. Let's look at this, all right? Let's go to Ruth chapter one. So it was the eighth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Here we go, four chapters that you just see the hand of God, but you see it in, in tragedy is what you do. And there's some of you here this morning that can relate to this story like immediately, because there's some of you here where tragedy has been close to you. And maybe you're walking in it right now and I pray you're encouraged through this story. Look at what it says in verse one, Ruth chapter one, verse one. Now it came to pass in the days, and this is before King Saul, right? When the judges ruled, this was a dark time in the people of Israel. And there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. Let's start there, stop there for a moment. Do you remember how that all started, right? Well, you have Abraham, you have Lot. Do you remember that? Lot goes, their, they go their separate ways. They flee from Sodom and Gomorrah. Moab is the descendant of Lot and his daughter. The Bible says that from the very beginning, Moab, the Bible says that God had a curse upon him and these descendants, that they stood opposed to the people of God. It was a very corrupt, wicked place, right? They, the Bible says that they were worshiping this fish God and they would sacrifice their children upon the altars. So this is what we're talking about here in Moab. So this man is a famine in the land. He looks at his wife and his two sons and he's like, we gotta find food. And so they flee from their home and they go to Moab, about 50 miles east of Jerusalem, kind of over the Dead Sea in this very vast desert. And it says this, he and his wife and his two sons, verse two, the name of the man was, say it, that's close. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Now we're gonna see tragedy hit. Look at verse three. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Again, put yourself in this story. And she was left in her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Oprah. Nope, it doesn't say Oprah. Orpah, when I first read it, I was like, Oprah? No, Orpah. And the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there how long? 10 years. Now here's the tragedy. Then both Malon and Kilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Okay, so now put yourself in the shoes of Naomi, right? She's lost her husband and now she's lost her two sons. 
And again, it's hard for us to kind of go back culturally speaking, like they were in a place where they were now the outcast. There was no man for protection. There was no inheritance. Like she recognizes we are in a very bad situation, but it all begins with tragedy. This work that God does in their lives begins with pain. This purpose that God does in their lives begins in things that they could not understand. We see her in the line of Jesus and we're gonna get there. But I want you to see what happens. Look at what it says. Verse six, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Bethlehem means what? The house of bread, right? Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And so the Bible says what, that, that Naomi urged her two daughters-in-law, you need to go back, is basically what she said. Like, there's no future for you with me. As I go back here, like I am a widow, I have no husband, I have no sons, you are better off going back to your family. So go back to Moab, go back to doing what you were doing and notice what happens. I mean, in verse 13, Naomi claims that God has what, forsaken her. Have you ever been there before? where you look at your life and your, and your struggles and your tragedy and you go, God, really? Like you're sovereign over this? And, and, and the realness of the Bible, I love that. Like she basically says, God's forsaken us, go back to your land. You come to verse 20 and do you remember what she says? She says, don't call me Naomi no more, which means pleasant. She says, call me what? Mara, you know what that word means? Bitterness. I want you to see where this lady was at. She's all alone, she's lost her husband, she's lost her two sons. She's sending her two daughters-in-law back, but notice one refuses to go back. Look at verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people, Orpah has gone. And to her gods, notice that lowercase g, return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, verse 16, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, then do not miss this last part. And your uppercase g, your God shall be my God. So this is the moment, right, where Ruth turns. Like this, this, this is the picture, right? This is the picture of our lives. If you're here today and you've never turned to a savior and surrendered to Jesus, like here's the picture. Ruth is saying, I'm not going back to that place. I'm not going back to the lowercase g's. And we can all identify with the lowercase g's. We talk about idolatry sometimes. And in the Bible, we think like, you know, I'm not carrying around some little wooden figure in the back of my pocket. No, but you may be carrying around an idol in your heart. And so here's Ruth saying, I'm not going back to those idols. I'm not going back to that wickedness. I'm turning, do you see this picture of salvation? I'm turning from those things and I'm turning to the one God of this universe. The God who has promised to save, provide, redeem. And it's such a beautiful picture of a spiritual conversion. Look at what happens here. Now Boaz, the stud of the story, is introduced in Ruth chapter two. Such a beautiful picture. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, the son of Rahab, don't miss that, of the family of Elimelech, his name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field, glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter, 
Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and notice this, and she happened to come. And she happened to come. She just stumbled upon this place to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Limelech. Listen, let me tell you something. Like God orchestrates things in our lives where we see it and the enemy goes, nope, that's not God. But you look at that passage right there and you see the sovereignty. She just so happens, goes to this field of Boaz, who is a close relative, and we'll see that in just a moment. But as an outsider, what she's basically saying is, do I have permission to go behind those who are gleaning, right? I will be the ones to pick up the scraps. It's basically what she's asking. And she just so happens, stumbles upon this stud's land. Look at what it says. Verse 5, then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? I love that. Hey, yo, uh, who's that girl over there, right? There's a love story happening here. I ain't never seen her before. Where did she come from? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. There's that picture of the poor and the outcast would actually come behind them reaping and pick up the scraps. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close to my young women, by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels. So now he's inviting her not to just get the scraps. He's inviting her to do what his own people are doing. You can go get water. You can go get all that you need. Look at this. And she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Like, I have to believe, right? I have to believe that Boaz had his mother in mind. Like, I have to believe Rahab, right? Rahab came from Jericho, right? She's an outsider, a foreigner. This is his mother. And he now looks at another foreigner, Ruth, who was probably pretty hot. I don't know how the Bible describes that. He notices her. And I believe there was a tug in his heart because he recognized even the struggle of his own mom. And he shows favor upon this young lady. I love what happens here. I mean, he is described of a man as integrity and kindness. And then notice what happens next, chapter 2, verse 19. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. She told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Now your translation may say uh, family kinsman or family redeemer. Again, this was the culture back then, according to the law, if, 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 if a husband died, the next brother, the man would, would marry that widow so that she wouldn't be outcast, so that she would still be within their community. That was what they practiced. And it was known in the Hebrew language as a family redeemer, like someone who would purchase, right? Like, and I want you to see this picture. We're going to see this picture of Jesus in just a moment. I'm excited we'll get there. Hold on. But you see this picture of a redeemer who looks to someone who is an outsider, who looks to someone who doesn't bring anything to the table and actually is outside of the covenant of God, and he shows favor. He shows grace. The rest of the story is pretty amazing. 
Naomi says, all right, girl, we're going to get you dolled up. Like, this is what happens here. You're going to need a makeover. Go to Ruth 3. Love this. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but do not reveal yourself to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. And it shall be. Where am I? Oh, and it shall be when he lies down that you shall take notice of the place where he lies. And you shall go, and here's again another custom here. It's hard for us to kind of understand what's happening here. Uncover his feet and lie down, and then he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say, I will do. So here's these faith moments, right? Here's, here's Ruth in the trenches, right? Here is Ruth now coming from tragedy, coming from a place where she is an outsider, and she doesn't know what the future holds. And in those moments, right, when you can't connect the dots, there it is. Can you display faith, right? Hebrews 11:6. without faith, it's impossible to please God. And every day of our lives, right, we're brought to this place. Like, we don't know the whole story as we do here, but we're in the moment and God is writing a story in our lives. And when it's all said and done, could it be said that in the moments of doubt and the moments of questions that we didn't run back to those old gods, we didn't go back to Moab, we didn't go back to lowercase g, we still put our face seeking the one God of this universe. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Ruth 3, 7, when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of the grain and she came secretly and uncovered his feet and laid down. Now, there's nothing immoral happening here. This is, again, culture. But what's happening here is crazy because this is a slave basically proposing to a master. She looks good now. Remember, she had a makeover. In the middle of the night, she started and bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. Verse 9. So he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your slave. Now, here's this, this, this uh, cultural, uh, you know, now spread your garment over your slave, for you are a, hear this, Redeemer. Then he said, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first, but not going after young men. You didn't go after them young dudes, whether poor or rich. So now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you say, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. You know the rest of the story. Again, he's a man of integrity. And the Bible tells us that there was another Man, there was another relationship that actually had the right to redeem, to be the family redeemer of Ruth. But the Bible says, he says, nope, I'm not going to do that. And so you see that now Boaz takes Ruth as his wife, and I want you to see the connection here. Look at verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and they had relations with her. He had relations with her. That's a different sermon. And the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you, no longer Mara, no longer bitter. God is still over this. God still has a plan in this. Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. And it did. May he also be to you one who restores life and sustains your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. And the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him who? Obed. He is the father of who? Jesse. Who is the father of who? David. This Moabite woman, this nobody, 
that displayed faith when she couldn't see the other side. And God was writing a story, not only in, his, in her life, his story was going to be used all the way through to Jesus. And what we find here, these two women, right, in Matthew 1, 5, as you go through the genealogy of Jesus, you find these women who are listed there. You have Rahab, the prostitute, an outsider. You have uh, Ruth, an outsider, a Moabite. And yet through that line comes King David. Like all week, man, I've just been wrestling with this. Because it's one of those things, man, like I'm in it. Like when, when you're in it and you can't see it, like that's hard. Like you're seeking the Lord, right? You're, you're, you're drawing near to his word. Like you're asking him to intervene, but yet you don't hear anything. Like you feel like he's quiet. And you look at your situation and guess what? The enemy is lying. He is lying. He is lying. He has no original material. He can only take the things that God is doing in our lives and pervert it and lie about it. And he tries to lie about where's God? Where's his faithfulness? He doesn't hear you. He doesn't see you. And what we find here is that there's a story being written behind the scenes, whether we can see it or not. But what does it require? Faith. This whole thing's about faith. Right? Ephesians 2.8, for by grace, it started with grace, for by grace we are saved through. It's not of ourselves because our sinful nature would boast in that. If we were saved by our baptism, I would say, look at my baptism. If we were saved by our good works, I'd say, look at my good works. But he says, uh-uh, for by grace you are saved through faith. And now as an outsider, Ruth, right, now as an outsider being brought into this relationship, think about this, Boaz is a picture of Jesus, the Redeemer, right? We as outsiders who are outside of the covenant, we come and there he is to purchase us, to make a payment for us. And you see grace all over this. Do you see the sovereignty of God? I mean, you go back and you see that this is the greatest king, King David, a man after God's own heart, and she is the great-grandmother of King David. And now we go the great, 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 I don't know how many of you got this, of King Jesus. Answer that phone. And it is amazing <laughs> to see God's hand through the entire thing. Be encouraged here. There's dark times, man, where you can't see the Lord. And I believe it's in those moments, man, that the enemy lies the most. I just believe that. And it's in those moments that really that's where the rubber hits the road, right? Do, do I believe who he is? And do I believe he, he will do what he says he will do? I can't see it. I don't feel it. I don't like it. But can I surrender to it? Can I trust him? when I can't see what's next? Can I trust him when the pain is so heavy that it's hard for me to lift my eyes? Can I trust him in that moment? This beautiful picture of redemption. And I believe there's some amazing lessons here. Number one, there's always hope, right? There is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. In your darkest of days, there is hope in a God who sees you, who knows you, and who is over all of your situations. I think about Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Another lesson we learn here with Ruth is the past does not define our future. Can I get an amen? The past does not define our future, God does. And so what we did yesterday, that's not our identity. That's not who I am. God decides my future. And so the enemy loves to dig up the past and dig up the past. But as you look at this story, you see, uh-uh, the past doesn't define me. I am drawing near to the Lord. God's got a plan for my life. 
Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. But one of the other main things I see in this story, which I, again, just, God loves using unlikely people to do extraordinary things. Remember when I was in seminary, they would have that, you know, that quote on the wall, it's not about your ability. And I remember walking through seminary and seeing all these guys who were theologians and I come back to the house and I just want to watch football. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to talk about, you know, all the, you know, I don't want to talk about reformed theology. Let's just watch football. I've been in class all day. And I remember how the enemy would mess with me. You're not capable. What do you bring to the table? And listen, when you start measuring that up, like you're just going to get put down. I'm just going to tell you. And what I would see all the time is that quote, it's not about your ability, it's about your availability. It's not about your ability, it's about your availability. Do you want God to do big things in your life? The question is, can you surrender to the places where you don't understand? Can you trust Him and still seek Him without running back to those old gods, without going back to Moab? Can you still say, God, I trust you in the darkest of times? Because you're writing a story and you're allowing me to be a part of this story. And I don't want to miss it. It's a beautiful picture. He loves taking the unlikely. I love the verse, 1 Corinthians 1, 27, but God has chosen what? The foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Let me tell you something, God's got a plan. He's working it out. Just hear me, He is. Romans 8, 28 is a promise that not everything's gonna be good but all things work to the good of the purpose of God in our lives. I've used this illustration before. I'm a visual dude, right? I love cake. I love birthday cake. If you want to get, no, I'm not going to say that. I said I love lemon cake like 10 years ago, and I had like 15 lemon cakes the next day, which was amazing. So I'm not going to throw out what cake I love now. I love bunk cakes. Did y'all get a bunk cake last week? Those things were, um, we took like six home. I just ate them for dinner. All right, here we go. The individual ingredients, right? Raw eggs, flour. I would dare to say no one's going home today to eat those things. Individually speaking, right? They're not good, but put together, they create a masterpiece. And I think about that in my own life. Lord, this doesn't feel good. I don't like this. This is a struggle. But Lord, I got to trust you that, man, you're writing a story. And you're allowing me, you're inviting me to be a part of your kingdom and the work of your kingdom. But without faith, hear me, without faith, what does it say? Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. So here's the question, where is God calling you to faith today? And here is my challenge to you, don't give up, don't run backwards, keep moving forward. Don't miss what God has in store for your life. Hear this verse, I love the prayer of Paul in Ephesians 3. If you've got your Bibles, go there with me real quick. Ephesians 3, and look at what it says here in verse 14. He's not finished, right? He's faithful to complete the work he's begun. Can I get an amen? Hear that this morning. He's faithful to complete the work that he's begun in you. But his timing. Ephesians 3.14, for this reason I bend my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you. Hear this, not out of, but according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened. Do we need this this morning? To be strengthened with power, not our own power, but when we are weak, he is what? 
He is strong, right? So in our moments that we are most weak, He is most strong. When we empty ourselves the most, when He empties us the most, we are then at a place where we can receive and be filled with Him. That's hard. The emptying is hard. The stripping is hard. Look at what He says, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit and the inner self so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able, listen to this prayer. He says, I pray that you would comprehend how the Father loves you. I pray that you would comprehend that He gave you His Son. Would He not meet your needs today? He gave us what was most precious. Would He not meet my needs today? And He says, I pray that you would be able to comprehend with all the saints, the width, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And here it is, you may need to claim this this morning, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according, again, not out of, according to the power that works within us. Verse 21, may we proclaim to him, to Jesus, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. The Bible describes us as the bride of Christ that we as the church, we're the bride of Christ. That just like Boaz redeemed Ruth, it's a picture of God's redemption for us. And the story that was being written through a prostitute, it's not about her past, it's about her present. A prostitute that turned from those things and sought the Lord and a descendant of a country that stood opposed to Israel a wicked country that tried to do everything they could to take them out. And yet those two ladies, you want to see grace, is mentioned in Matthew 1-5 in the genealogy of a savior. They couldn't see that. They died before that happened. But there was a story being written behind the scenes. The question is tomorrow, right, when you're in the trenches, and Tuesday when you're struggling at home, and Wednesday when you're dealing with the pressures of this world, can you stop and say, Lord, I'm seeking you in this. I used to be over there. I'm not going back to it. I know where it got me. I'm trusting you. And I'm gonna hold on until I see it because your promise is that those who diligently seek you, all things work together for the good of those who love God. We invite you to stand right where you are. We're gonna go to the Lord in prayer and we're just gonna have a time of reflection again each week. I just wanna say I want freedom in this place, like audience of one, I believe that. Like we've had even at the eight o'clock this morning, some just coming here and praying, that's an awesome thing because it requires an action, right? There's nothing magical about it, but it it requires an action of faith, like it's uncomfortable. Maybe you're in a struggle today, man. Maybe you're like Ruth and Naomi and Orpah in a tragedy, a husband dead, two sons dead. What's our future gonna be? Maybe you're there and you can't connect the dots. Listen, that is a place where God calls us to faith. And the promise is, in His appointed time, He will fulfill the work and complete the work He's begun in us. 
If you're here today and you've never begun this journey, let me just say like it starts there. It's not a mistake that you're here today. Hear me. These are eternal things. There's one way to get to heaven and it's a person. It's not a church. It's not a religion. It's Jesus Christ. It's a savior, a redeemer who purchased us by his blood, the Bible says. And you are saved how through faith. This is a heart thing right where you're sitting. This is a heart thing. Like right where you're sitting, I've been there, where your heart is beating fast and you feel this stirring. Listen, that is the Lord. Don't allow the enemy to downplay that. Do you know him today? If you walked out of this place and today was your appointed time to stand before him, do you have confidence and assurance that you would stand covered in the blood of a savior? Sin has to be paid for, right? And we either stand there in our sins, making the payment ourselves, or we stand there covered in the righteousness and the blood of the perfect Lamb of God who died for our sins and who rose again. Listen, if you're here today and you've never done that right here in this moment, I ask you just to bow your heads. You can cry out silently right where you're sitting, dear Lord, I put faith in you. I ask you, Lord, to save me. I believe in Jesus, your son, who came and died and rose again. And so right here in this moment, I surrender my heart to you, my life to you. I don't wanna go back to those old things. I wanna turn and go to you. And so I ask you to be the king of my life, to lead me and guide me. We have a spiritual response team here. We have pastors that will be able to meet with you. Listen to me, man, this is, this is eternal things. Maybe you're here as a believer and you're in a struggle and you've been in it for a while and the enemy has been lying over time to you. So maybe this morning we lift our eyes to truth. God, I believe who you are. I believe that you will do what you say you will do. Whether I can see it or not, I pray that you find me faithful. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your word, your anointed word. And we thank you, Lord, that throughout Genesis to Revelation, we see Jesus. In the story of Ruth and Boaz, we see Jesus. We see redemption. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. May we never lose sight of that in the midst of our struggles, in our busy lives, Lord. May we always, every day, be captivated in the way that you've loved us, in the way that you are loving us now the height, the depth, the length, the width, that we may be able to understand your love for us. Give us faith, Lord. Give us faith. As we sang this morning, not I, but Christ in me. Lift my eyes, fix them upon you. May you find me faithful. We pray this in the one name that saves us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and all God's people say.